How are you feeling? Yeah, good. I'm I'm really enjoying this. I'm I know. Really great yeah, I'm really enjoying this. It's great. <laughs> I, I mean, I hope hope it sounds good on the record. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. But we'll see. Welcome to Appearance Matters, the podcast, the appearance psychology podcast brought to you by the Centre for Appearance Research, a world-leading research centre based at the University of the West of England in Bristol, investigating everything related to the psychology of how we look. I'm Nadia. And I'm Jade. And this episode is a little bit different since everything right now is just very different. I mean, to begin with, we're not even together, are we, Nadia? (laughs) No, you're in your bedroom, I'm in mine, you look like a YouTuber. (laughs) (laughs) You you have a very bright summer white top on, but we're not actually next to each other like we usually are. I know, normally like side by side, jammed together in a classroom. Exactly, yeah. One point of difference, but um, as I guess in, uh, as is the case in many countries around the world right now, we are in lockdown here in the UK in an effort to flatten the curve with the spread of COVID-19, so that's why we're both at home, Um, but more broadly as a nation, we are self-isolating, everyone's staying at home, whether people have symptoms or not, barring essential or key workers, so schools are shut, universities are shut, offices are pretty much shut, most shops are closed too, apart from supermarkets and pharmacies and that kind of thing. Yeah, and shout out to my mum, who is still working in the supermarket and on the front line, so big up to her. <laughs> and Yeah, round of applause. And all those other key workers, like you mentioned, Nadia. Um, and it's nice because that's your mum, and then my mum's doing some training for the volunteers who are going back to the NHS to do that extra work. So, again, both working as like in these essential roles right now. So, yeah, proud of our mums. Definitely, and it's so heartwarming for everyone who's stepped up and really really helping in those respects. So um, it is true, people are only permitted to go outside for essentials like buying food and then for one form of exercise a day. So like a walk, a run, a bike ride, whatever mm-hmm. you prefer, um, as long as it's only once. Um, you're basically only allowed to see people living in your household, um, which is can be very isolating. Right. I mean, staying at home is absolutely the right thing for all of us to be doing in this moment. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it can be really tough on people's mental health and well-being. Yeah, this is a really difficult time for many reasons for different people. And some days feel harder than others. I've been feeling, like many people, a roller coaster of emotions mm-hmm. and just generally quite overwhelmed, especially when you have lots of uncertainty and lots of questions, which, of course, no one really knows the answers to. So, like, mm-hmm. I keep hearing, when will this all be over, which is quite a, a big one. And I think it's really difficult because no one really knows again. So I do want to point out, though, on the upside, I've spent so much time with my dog Um, my lovely dog Milo and actually I've really began to appreciate a dog's life more and why they get so excited to go out for that one walk a day yeah I mean I've loved I've I've loved all those memes being like oh now I understand why a dog is so excited to go out for that walk I completely get it like maybe it's one maybe it's multiple for a dog's life you know back when that was suitable but that one walk is is really summing I know. I think everyone's pets right now are really holding their humans together. Um, I know with the Dove team, we've got Winnie, Harriet's dog, and then Helena's dog, Raffi, and then 
Kirsty, you've got Barbara, the cat, like they're keeping, they're all holding fort right now. They're keeping things together and it's delightful to see them on Zoom or like see photos or whatever when they come up. But yeah. And definitely Fabio's dog Artu is one of the most obedient dogs I've ever seen who sits on his lap beautifully during um, Zoom times. Uh, nice. I can imagine Fabio's dog being obedient. <laughs> a lot more obedient than my dog Milo, I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say anything there, Jade. <laughs> But yeah, I guess I've been feeling very much the same. Um, Like some moments definitely feel very heavy. Um, I know like most of us like worried about the health of people we love, especially the people in our lives who are older or have chronic health conditions um, or both. And then there's this like broader collective general anxiety in the world right now, um, which speaks to your point about the uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen. There's all the impact on the economy. And we don't really need to go in that in any further detail. I think everyone really feels it. But then, as you say, there's like moments that feel so much lighter and not really so out of the ordinary. Like we've been so lucky here in the UK. The weather has just been gorgeous over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I've been enjoying spending a bit of time at home, like sorting out my space a bit, catching up and reading, like slowly adjusting to that slower pace, um, which took a bit of a bit of time. But I think I'm like getting into a better rhythm now. But then I guess in saying all of that, I think I'm so aware of the like privilege and fortune that I have. Like I'm still being paid. I'm working from home. I live in, in a very beautiful part of the country. Yes, I wish I had a garden. Yes, I wish I had a little bit more space. I'd love some company. I'm aching to see my friends and family. I miss touching people. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, Nadia and touching people is about... <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of outing myself here, but I am borderline inappropriate when it comes to stroking and touching people. I mean, I do rein it in with strangers and for the most part in a professional setting, I'd like to think. But you kind of know if you have a space in my heart that I will be giving you a bear hug. I will be caressing you like a cat. That physical touch is really like my love language. You know, some people are really good with words and say like beautiful things. I just like to like stroke people I love your honesty there it's so true it really is you <laughs> I mean it, it is I can't help it it's just uh part of who I am but anyway digress was making a serious point that yeah I think I am like really acutely aware about how fortunate I am right now and at the same time also not finding it super easy um so there's like lots of things that you're like holding together at once so there's this like gratitude on the one hand and then there's this like anxiety on the other and it's just like holding those things together in one space yeah and that idea of perhaps some loss there as well loss of you know Mm -hmm. like you even say touching people um even yeah giving hugs to people people you you care about um but you also want to be very mindful that stay at home is the key element here so but before we do move on I do want to mention that I actually love your bear hugs Nadia and I can't wait to have a massive one from you once again I know, I can't wait. Although I am worried that when this uh, lockdown goes, I'm going to be, like, accosting people. <laughs> You're going to be, like... I think people will love it. <laughs> I am really looking forward to that. And as as you are saying, like, there is that sense of loss. And I think uh, I've heard a lot of people kind of make an analogy to, to, like, this whole, like, grief process that we're going through. I think that's really, really true. And it's kind of you go through these stages of grief in terms of, like, there's, like, the anger and the fear and the upset... And then it kind of comes into this like broader acceptance and like, okay. I think it's the ties in as well. Like I said, with that roller coaster earlier, it's not, mm. it's one emotion to the next, isn't it? It's not a, it's not a clear path. But I think I realised, Nadia, that we've not actually said what this episode is about now. So <laughs> probably should rewind a little bit. 
Uh, yeah, I think that would be helpful. I think my uh, brain is quarantining elsewhere. Um, so do you want to do the honest Jade? Yeah, sure. So um, this episode, we will be talking about how to manage body image, food and eating related anxiety. As we know, many people are struggling perhaps more than usual in this reaction to the current situation, which is normal and natural. Yeah. And as a multidisciplinary team of health, clinical, counselling, applied research, psychologists, students, trainees specialising in body image, we, as in the collective we of the Centre for Appearance Research, wanted to share some tips and reminders about how to take really good care of yourself right now during this period of quarantine and heightened anxiety um which for many people might be manifesting in your relationship to your body and or to food so we've pulled this together quite quickly um but with a lot of support from our colleagues at car yeah and you will hear from some of them in this episode but the whole team has been really behind this i do want to mention that and that's something um, we both feel grateful for our team cohesiveness, the WhatsApp, Zoom calls, virtual car coffees, all that jazz that we've had going on recently. Yeah, 100%. I definitely feel very fortunate about that. And special shout out from me to Kirsty and to Sharon, who I work with very closely on a day to day. And then the Dove team, who I also speak daily to uh, on Slack or on Zoom. And I think there's like this, everyone's like really buoying each other up and keeping each other motivated, checking in on each other. And it feels really nice. Yeah, definitely agree. And for me, shout out to the zoo. Yeah, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Second that. Um, love that I've not been evicted from the zoo. Never. Never, member, you know. Never, Nadia. You will always be a Zoom member. And if you don't know, um, for the listeners, what we are referring to by the zoo, um, we haven't completely lost our minds <laughs> yet. Um, but you will need to go through the podcast archive for an explanation. <laughs> what a way to get the listeners to go back and listen to past episodes, Jade. Love it. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's really get into this episode. So as a bit of context, last week we put out a call to the team at CAR to, across all the 30 odd members or so to share some of their top tips and advice for dealing with any additional unwelcome body image and food anxiety Definitely. And as we're all working from home, I am currently in my bedroom right now, looking like a YouTuber, as you mentioned, Nadia. Um, <laughs> and we asked for people to send us voice notes with Nadia and I kind of chatting in between. That's the idea. Yeah, I am. I'm really enjoying this, by the way, having you on Zoom, because like, normally because we're sitting side by side, I don't really see the full, uh, the full, I don't know. <laughs> the full YouTube experience. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, I sign me up to your channel. I'm ready to subscribe. Um, well, I agree, um, Nadia. It's great to see your facial expressions, which are always so animated, even more beautifully on the screen. <laughs> I know. So yeah, but we will chat in between. I think we can't help ourselves on that. Yeah, and and just to put it out there as well, uh, we're going to try and keep this very light. Um, as we normally do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and first we're going to hear from Ella Guest, Dr. Claire Hamlet and Christine Ramsey-Wade. Perfect. So Ella is going to give us a quick 101 on health-related anxiety and share some really helpful tips and techniques from cognitive behavioural therapy, followed by Claire and Chris, who are both talking about dealing with anxiety specifically related to food. 
Hi, I'm Ella Guest and I'm a research associate at CAR and I'm also a trainee health psychologist. And I'm going to talk to you briefly about managing anxiety during the COVID-19 outbreak. At the moment, a lot of us will be feeling more anxious than normal and we might be experiencing new worries relating to the pandemic. So these might be things like worrying about whether we or people we know will become ill and what that will be like, worrying about our job or money, and also generally worrying about what will happen in the future and how our country and the rest of the world are going to deal with the outbreak. It's normal to feel worried when something uncertain like this happens, and actually worrying is a way for our bodies to make sure that we're paying attention to things that it perceives to be potentially threatening, so that we make sure that we keep ourselves safe. But sometimes worrying and spending a lot of time paying attention to that worry isn't helpful for us, because it can stop us from doing things and it can stop us from enjoying things as well. So I'm going to talk to you briefly about some techniques that psychologists use with people to help them manage their anxiety and worries. Now these are based on something that you might have heard of before called Cognitive Behavioural Therapy or CBT, which was developed by Professor Aaron Beck and is widely used around the world. CBT is based on the principle that how we think feel and behave can all influence each other. So for example, if I have the thought there's nothing I can do to stop myself catching the virus and becoming unwell, this might lead me to feel anxious or worried and in response to this I might then behave by reading up on symptoms and becoming really aware of my body and trying to work out whether I think I've got any symptoms. Now when we feel anxious or worried We can also feel physical symptoms like having a racing heart, shortness of breath, or even things like feeling dizzy and sick. So when I'm attending to my body and being very aware of how I feel, this might then lead me to have the thought, I must be getting the virus. So a lot of the time, the way that we're thinking or how we're behaving when we feel worried can actually maintain our worry and we can get stuck in this vicious worrying cycle. So to help us manage this and break out of the cycle, what we can do is look at changing or challenging our thoughts and our behaviours. By doing this, we can then change how we feel. So when it comes to our behaviours, there might be some things that we're doing that are actually contributing to our worries and maintaining this cycle. So that could be things like continuing to look at Um, the news and reading up about the coronavirus and focusing on how our body feels and whether we have any symptoms. So to change this we might try to limit how often we check the news and also make sure that we're only looking at news from credible sources. We might also plan time to do things that we enjoy or relax and also speak to other people about how we feel rather than keeping it keeping it to ourselves. We might also focus on what we actually can do in terms of our behaviour to control the spread of the virus. So things like washing our hands and self-isolating. And there are other things like diaphragmatic breathing techniques or progressive muscle relaxation or meditation that you can try. And some of these are talked about in other bits of the podcast. So some of our thoughts might also be quite irrational or unhelpful, but actually they can feel very real or factual. And when we pay a lot of attention to these thoughts and they make us behave in certain ways, they can make us feel worse and they can kind of maintain this anxiety and worry. So to help this, 
you could try writing down your negative thoughts and then setting aside some specific time to worry where you will look at them. But this can help you not to be focusing on them all day. By writing your thoughts down, you can also challenge them by looking at them and thinking, what is the evidence for and against these thoughts? And then trying to reframe them to be more rational. So if I use my example from earlier, which was, there is nothing I can do to stop myself catching the virus and becoming unwell, I can notice that actually there are some things that I can do to minimise my risk, like washing my hands. And also I'm kind of trying to predict the future here by thinking that I will definitely get ill. I actually don't have any evidence that I will get ill, particularly if I follow the government advice, and I also don't know how unwell I will become. You can try some of these techniques yourself, and there's some more information in the show notes. Hi, my name's Claire Hamner. I'm a research fellow and health psychologist based at the Centre for Appearance Research, and I just wanted to address some of the anxiety around stress eating, or at least an increased focus on food at this time that I'm hearing from friends and family or seen on social media. So um, in terms of stress and eating, we know that even amongst our friends, there'll be some of us that lose our appetites when we're stressed and others that um, will tend to use food in response to being stressed, you know, kind of to self-soothe. And stress eating is something that many people do struggle with on a regular basis when things are normal. Um, But as we know, we're living in a really challenging time at the moment, it's quite anxiety provoking. And this will also affect the eating behaviour amongst those of us who don't typically reach to food to reduce our anxiety. Also, in terms of our day to day lives, they have significantly changed. So we have reduced interactions now, less access to activities we normally engage in to distract ourselves. Also, many of us are off work or we're working from home which means we have lots of food that is easily available as we do have to do bigger shops now and so we're not going out as much um so it is really totally normal at this time for us to be turning to food especially as it's something that we can control when many of the other things in our lives at the moment are out of our control so food is one of the easiest and like kind of instant ways that we can make ourselves feel better in stressful times physiologically as well because it does release dopamine and serotonin in our brains and you know whilst it is really important to maintain you know a relatively healthy diet for our immune systems and for our moods it really is important right now to not start denying yourself foods um so expecting yourself to give up perhaps what is one of the few pleasures you can really relish in right now is quite unrealistic and unnecessary. If you think you might be engaging in stress eating and it is a concern for you, I think it's really important that you ask yourself whether you're about to eat because you're physically hungry or whether it's because you feel stressed or sad. And if you do feel stressed or sad. It's really important to kind of address that. And you'll hear lots of talks at the moment about how you can practice self-care. And this is something I think is really important in relation to, you know, kind of this stress eating behavior that you might be experiencing. So my tips would be to spend a bit of time in nature, get out for a walk in the sunshine. Some people find like lighting a candle and streaming a yoga session can be really relaxing or taking a bath. I think it's really important, and a lot of us are doing this right now, is to stay connected with your friends and family, you know, for example, via video chat. Also, 
You know, if you are feeling particularly anxious or stressed, it can be really helpful to immerse yourself deeply in something that takes quite a lot of concentration and gets you into that state of flow and kind of, you know, takes you away from your thoughts and worrying about what's going on. So that could be, you know, doing some colouring or um, doing a jigsaw puzzle. And at the end of the day, I think it's really key right now just to be kind to yourself. So this is not the time to start beating yourself up over kind of the food choices you're making that you wouldn't otherwise make, especially as we are living in such a different world right now. Hi there, my name is Christine and I'm a mindful eating teacher and researcher here at the Centre for Appearance Research. I want to share my thoughts on the do's and don'ts at this time. First, I'll start with the don't. Food is a source of great comfort. Food can be a real expression of care, particularly when it's done, when it's given and taken slowly, without distraction, with full attention. And there's nothing wrong with using food to care for yourself, particularly when it's done with intention and attention. Furthermore, food is a highly effective and very important coping mechanism for many people when they're undergoing real distress and trauma. And guess what, folks? We're all going through a kind of collective trauma right now. So now is not the time to be tinkering with effective coping strategies. There'll be time enough for that later. For now, the focus needs to be on survival. We're all just survivors now. So ditch the diets. Forget any thoughts of trying to get lean now. Focus on care and comfort and surviving. And in terms of in terms of do's, do continue with the irregular daily mindfulness practice. Or if you haven't got one, think of setting one up. There are loads of resources out there to help you to do this. And we'll put some links on our website, apps, online resources, etc. There are lots of ways to nourish yourself. And a regular meditation practice is one of them. So see this not just as a time of isolation, but maybe one of uh, seclusion. Seeing if you can learn to embrace the silence and cultivate a kind of peace and stillness within this simpler way of being we're all in at the moment. Good luck. That was a lovely explanation there on the psychology behind anxiety and eating behaviours related to our current situation. I kind of wanted to talk about the point Ella made about being anxious regarding the virus and then becoming hyper aware of your own body, perhaps noticing things you wouldn't normally. And, and I want to mention that because number one, this extends out even further beyond ourselves to, to fear of others, really, like you mentioned in the beginning, Nadia, like family members, close friends and being hyper aware of others when you go on your daily exercise or visit the shops for essential items. And number two, being hyper aware of all these things actually takes a lot of effort and being anxious about a lot of things can be draining in many ways and takes up a lot of cognitive capacity. So if you're feeling tired or just lacking energy or perhaps you can't sleep, that makes total sense right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really comforting to know that these are, quote, normal responses to an abnormal situation. Um, and definitely on that tired front, 
I know, and I include myself in this, that some people are finding that they have been napping a lot more when they wouldn't normally. Um, and then, yeah, maybe struggling to sleep at night. But this is the, the napping, the feeling tired all the time can be part of that response to being under a state of constant stress. It's like that classic flight or fight mode of existence that we kind of learn about in like psychology undergrad. And then actually related to what Ella was saying, there's a paper that was recently published in The Lancet, um, so one of the biggest or the biggest, I think, public health journal. It's a rapid review that looks at the psychological impact of living. Is it in or under quarantine? I would say in. In. I literally uh, don't know. I'm terrible at grammar. Yeah, we're just going to roll with it. So anyway, <laughs> I found the paper really interesting as it as kind of as listening to Ella and Claire and Chris, it does all of these things like normalise some of the things that we are feeling ourselves. Um, so the review was written by a team at King's College London and led by Dr Samantha Brooks. So as part of a rapid review process, they looked at the over 3,000 papers before eventually focusing down on 24. So then, based on those 24 papers, the authors found that most of those papers, most of those reviewed studies reported negative psychological effects, including post-traumatic stress symptoms, confusion and anger in response to being in quarantine. So stresses, and I'm kind of reading a bit of their abstract now, but stresses, so this being the the factors that make that psychological impact worse, included longer quarantine duration, infection fears, frustration, boredom, inadequate supplies don't we know it here in the UK inadequate information financial loss and stigma um and then some researchers have suggested that these have long-lasting effects so there's this like whole collective trauma that we're living through that we're gonna it's gonna take some time for recovery and healing and I, I guess it it makes a lot of sense to me and then kind of going back to the review they have like the their final conclusions and they say in situations where quarantine is deemed necessary, so like in the case that we're in right now, people should be quarantined for no longer than is required. Uh, there needs to be clear rationale for being in quarantine and there needs to be information about protocols. So that really clear stuff that we have now that we didn't have right at the beginning being like, OK, you can go outside once for your like exercise, you can go to the shop, but that's it. You know, So now it's very clear what you can and can't do. Um, it's really important and then ensure that sufficient supplies are provided so yeah absolutely again another very relevant thing to write now and then finally they um they write about appeals to altruism as a, as a recommendation by reminding the public about the benefits of quarantine to the wider society at large can be favorable so staying at home to help the more vulnerable stay well to reduce the burden on the nhs to buy some time for scientists to develop vaccines that kind of thing so the mantra that we're getting right now stay at home protect the nhs and save lives yeah and then a couple of things to say about eating and food because again know that that's a really big thing for people right now um and just as claire and chris both said it's totally fine to be eating differently right now we are living under different circumstances therefore it makes sense that you might be eating in a different way totally so no beating yourself up for that for eating at different times craving different types of food eating for comfort i'm glad they both emphasize that i think it's really important food is definitely one of the great pleasures we can enjoy and something that we can eat like control a bit more 
in such a world that we have lack of control of right now um, when we're quarantined at home for a lot of us. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting about the control and the too much control, but we'll, we'll get onto that. But do you, um, do you have any signature quarantine snacks, Jade? What have you been enjoying? So I'm actually not sure this is signature because I'm usually more of a savoury than a sweet person on my snack options. But right now, given the timing, it's Easter eggs. Um, if if yeah. I can, you know, get my hands on some. And I don't know if I'm alone here, but I love the egg in the Easter egg, not the, the extra bits you get. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no faffing around with the extra. You just like the shell. I love it. I love, you know, cracking it, and then you get all the little bits and pieces, and I just love the egg. So, yeah, how about you, Nadia? Wait, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not finished with this. What's your classic egg? Is it Cadbury's? Would you get a Cadbury's one? Do you know, again, I'm, a Cadbury's over like a Nestle, but I'm still not too fussed. An egg's an it's, egg. It's just all about the shell. Yeah, I love, like, that they're quite thin, like, and they just snap easily, and it seems to last quite a long time. I don't know. It's just the egg. I'm all about the, the egg in, in the Easter selection. I love Cadbury's cream eggs as well, the mini ones, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about you, though, Nadia? Well, you know what? I actually haven't got a signature snack yet for the quarantine period, which is quite unlike me because I love a signature snack. Um, <laughs> I know um, you don't appreciate this, Jade, but I've been really enjoying how everyone on the Zoo WhatsApp group is really getting into jelly. So, <laughs> listeners, just for context, um, during the final year of my PhD, jelly, so it's in the dessert not how Americans talk about jelly, but like jelly is in the like wobbly, wibbly, wobbly, jelly on the plate, five-year-old cartoon child school party dessert type thing. Jelly was my signature snack, as as was peanut butter on toast. Uh, but Jade does not have any love or appreciation for, for jelly. I'm sat here physically cringing right now over the wibble wobble selection of, <laughs> of language. <laughs> I'm I'm not a fan of jelly, no. Um, particularly the... The sound jelly can make. Yeah, no, I did put a halt at that. I did, I did give a, a warning to the group. Let's not. Let's protect Jade in this. I love the fact that our, our WhatsApp group is so loving and caring that you actually do a trigger warning for jelly with me in it, <laughs> which is just fabulous. <laughs> jelly is amazing for you guys, and I appreciate you enjoy jelly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Back to the food and eating anxieties that, that we've been speaking about. We know for some people... Uh, with eating disorders or who are in recovery, this can be a really challenging time. So some of their support systems might not be in place anymore. So they might not be able to go to their therapeutic sessions or groups. Though I know some have moved online, but the kind of the structure has has definitely changed. Um, there's potentially more or less food in the house, um, which can be anxiety inducing for some people. Uh, it might be more difficult to buy like safe food options, which can be important for people in their meal planning and just feeling uh, a bit more comfortable. And then like the less access to like going outside and finding distraction and like hanging out with your friends or whatever to like kind of take you out of your head. So like that can be really tough for some for some people. So just to kind of acknowledge that and really knowing and understanding that eating disorders thrive off uncertainty, the lack of control, isolation. So it's kind of like a perfect storm for for some people but in saying all of that uh it doesn't have to be the case and I know some people who have eating disorders who or and or who are in recovery and who are challenging themselves and pushing themselves in a whole new way right now which is really lovely to see so as a an example speaking to a friend recently and 
she was saying that this is like the test that she didn't know that she needed in recovery and the situation is challenging her to be even stronger in her recovery so it's more solid um so yeah I just thought that was really warming and I I hope people can kind of like take some solace in that and I think although it might be a, a difficult time and there, there might be extra challenges it's like totally possible to to keep going in your recovery and it's very possible to turn things around and press the reset even if you've had a shaky start and I guess I would really encourage people not to settle into that way of thinking of being like oh I'm gonna recover when this is all over I'm gonna put my recovery on hold right now until this is all over I think now is as good a time as ever to make forward steps yeah I think that was really lovely of your friend to share that with you as well Nadia and thanks for sharing that on the podcast and I mean is there anything specific we want to add in terms of that on how to support people who are having difficulty with food and eating perhaps yeah I think it's definitely worth touching on I know for people with eating disorders carers or the people in their lives are such an important part of their recovery journey so I think it's definitely worth speaking to that a little bit that said it's hard because everyone's so different people struggle in different ways when it comes to eating disorders like most most conditions I guess Um, and then it also depends on your relationship with that person in terms of how you're going to support them so like if you're the parent of a child that's quite different to are you supporting a a work colleague or a friend or or whatever there is support and guidance for carers offered by eating disorder charities so to name a couple in the UK BEAT in the US NIDA in Australia the Butterfly Foundation they all have resources on their website for carers I think they even have support groups as well I'm pretty sure all three of them do (coughs) Milo one sec so just gonna perhaps shut the window mum I'm just gonna shut the window right because my <laughs> mother's in coming on the podcast currently. <laughs> he just wants to be known, Jade. He just wants to be known. It's like this is my time. I know. <laughs> Sorry. So that was Milo. But I guess, yeah, for the here and now, um, as a, a few little pointers if you want to support people who you are worried about or think might be struggling I think it's always good to like gently check in on people if you're worried ask them how they're managing ask them what support they might find useful ask if there's anything you can do I think it's always good even if people don't accept it they know that there are people around if they if they do need need that extra bit of support I know some people are having virtual meals which I think is really sweet so like lunch over Skype and finding that kind of thing helpful and then I guess if you're living with someone who you're worried about I think to really encourage and support that maintenance of structure so like the kind of three meals a day and snacks and like keeping it as as normal as as it would have been otherwise I think when you kind of like lose that structure things become a bit more chaotic and feel a bit more challenging and then I guess like the like the most obvious point that's like very kind of generic in a way is just to keep um like the diet chat the weight loss chat the jokes about quarantine weight gain like the quarantine 15 keep all of those like under tap you can like keep that all to yourself no one needs to hear and it's and it's definitely not helpful to people in in recovery or or struggling with an eating disorder also it's just not helpful for for anyone and it's also fat phobic so it's like not none of those things are cool the diet chat the weight loss chat the weight gain chat just not cool there's nothing Um, good about it no nothing it doesn't help you 
let's like leave that behind um and then I guess the other thing uh kind of related to that and thinking about like numbers and things like and people can get like quite latched on to to that kind of thing and start engaging comparison is really if you're thinking about like sharing stuff on social media like sure like say if you if you want to like oh yeah I had a lovely run or whatever but like I would personally be very mindful about saying how far you're running for example or I don't know how many calories burn or like what your I don't know any of that like quantifiable stuff because then that becomes a metric and potentially a target for someone to make that upward comparison to and be like oh well that person's like doing that so therefore I should be doing more or whatever so I think it's just it's just being like mindful about about how you're you're talking and what you're sharing I think um but anyway we'll talk about comparisons and exercise um shortly yeah we will be getting to that in a lot more depth um but just before we do um move on uh Gina one of our colleagues at the Centre for Appearance Research mentioned that the UK eating disorder charity BEAT as you mentioned a minute ago Nadia has had a 30% increase in contact to their online and telephone support services and together with Bruna Gina and Bruna are organizing a team quiz fundraiser Mm. at car um well not at car but at home for car um we (laughs) and we know charities are really impacted right now financially and at the same time they're also doing their best to keep supporting these vulnerable groups who need to access this support right now um so yeah completely I'm glad you remembered that to bring that up Jade charities are doing really valuable work to support vulnerable communities and really struggling financially so then if you are I know not everyone is right now uh but if you are in a financial position to donate to charities at this time, they need your support now more than ever. Um, on the topic of food, food banks are also uh, really seeing a steep increase in demand. So if you are in a healthy financial position and you want to feel like you're doing something in some way, this is a really great opportunity to to be no- donating to, um, to charities or, or food banks or that kind of thing or volunteer. Yeah, completely agree. Um, There are lots of people and organisations that need support right now. And like you say, Mm -hmm. if you can, please do. And it it might even make you feel like you say you're helping, which can help yourself in some ways. Yeah, yeah, completely. I think there's there's definitely something in that. Um, And obviously no pressure. Like we know, you know, lots of people are struggling in different ways. But if if you are in a position to give your time or give a bit of money, I think it's it, it might end up um having those like secondary repercussions on on you make you feel a little bit better completely agree um so now up next is dr helena lewis smith bruna costa and dr emily matson talking about social comparisons and about staying socially connected and maintaining a healthy balance with exercise and movement at this time hi everyone This is Helena Lewis-Smith, the Senior Research Fellow here at CAR. I hope that you and your family and friends are able to keep safe and sane during this really, really tricky time. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about social comparisons today because I think this is a time when we are particularly vulnerable um, to comparing ourselves and feeling perhaps like we're not doing enough, like we're not good enough, like we're not achieving enough um, compared to everybody else. 
So this is something that we all do naturally every day. We compare ourselves with other people without even thinking about it. However, social comparison theory um, was actually um, developed by Festinger in 1954. And essentially what it is, is the evaluative process that involves both seeking information and making judgments about the self relative to others. Which essentially means in lay terms that we we judge ourselves and we try to better improve ourselves by comparing ourselves with others. And we use that information um, to see how we are doing on a particular construct. Um, for example, that could be our appearance. So an example would be that you might be walking down the street and you look at someone across the road who you think may have a thinner body or they may have a um, more attractive legs etc and you might compare yourself with them and because you realize or think there might be a discrepancy between you and them so for example you might think that you have a larger body than them you may think that your legs aren't as attractive as theirs due to that discrepancy you compare yourself and you feel worse about yourself because you don't look as good as them or what you well these are obviously in your in your mind you think that um, so this is very common to people make these comparisons with those who they think are more attractive than them. And then unsurprisingly, that leads to body dissatisfaction. So this is a classic thing. It's not new information in the field. We know that comparing ourselves to those around us can make us feel bad about our bodies. Um, comparing ourselves to celebrities, actors in traditional media, but also as well as social media can make us feel worse. And this is particularly the case now, given that social media, lots of people are using filters, they're trying to make themselves look even more conventionally attractive. And then we can compare ourselves with them and think, oh my gosh, you know, their skin is flawless. Um, you know, they look incredible. Um, and then given that the discrepancy is even larger between ourselves and that person, we feel worse about our own body image. So the reason why I wanted to talk about it now is I think that not only in terms of our bodies, but I think we're probably all very likely to be making comparisons with others in many different ways. So it could be, for example, when you're out for a walk and you're getting your hour exercise a day, you're seeing lots of people jogging or people perhaps doing exercises, sit-ups, press-ups um, in your park. And you might look at them and think, God, I can't do that. I, you know, I can't jog or I can't do those exercises. I'm not good enough you know, I should be keeping fit, I should, I should. And then you're going to make yourself feel worse about yourself because, um, you know, because you feel like you can't do the same thing. And this is obviously really harmful when at a time when we should just be trying to be kind to ourselves and enjoying that time outside that we do have um, a day rather than comparing ourselves with those we're seeing doing um, all sorts of exercise. So that's just an example where we need to be we need to be mindful of the fact that we're not all the same. We all have different capabilities. Um, you know, we all have different hobbies. Um, we all have different resources as well. So it's an even worse time to compare ourselves because it's just not feasible. Similarly, it could be the case that people around you are trying to eat very, very healthy. Perhaps they're not eating bad food, bad food in inverted commas. Perhaps they are refraining from drinking alcohol, for example. However, having that glass of wine in the evening might be that thing that helps you relax in the evening and feel better about the current situation. And that's okay. That's that's completely allowed. Everybody has to adapt and do things that make them feel good. But you might be comparing yourself, looking at your friends 
peers thinking, oh, well, you know, they're eating really healthily, they're not drinking alcohol. However, here I am and I'm finding myself, you know, having that packet of crisps a day. Again, be really careful not to compare yourself because again, we're all in really unique circumstances. Um, we're all different as individuals. We all have different coping strategies. And as I said, we all have different resources. Um, you know, some of us are living by ourselves right now. Some of us, there's a lot of us. Some of us, our family's halfway across the world. Some of us aren't even able to work at the moment. Some of us are trying to juggle work and kids. We're all in very, very different circumstances. So it's really important to try not to fall into that trap of social comparisons. Try and be in the moment. Try and be grateful for what you have, what you do have. Focus on yourself and look after yourself and try not to compare yourself with other people. I know it's really difficult, but I think particularly now, it's important that we don't do that. Take each day as it comes and just focus on yourself. Hi everyone, my name is Bruna and I'm a research associate here at CAR. My top tip for managing lockdown is to make use of your social circle. Although we might feel isolated right now, literally, it's important to make an effort to stay connected to those who bring us happiness. Try and reach out to a friend or family member every day if you can. And this is particularly useful for when we're having more difficult days. As the saying goes, a problem shared is a problem halved. Hi, Nadia and Jade. Emily Matheson here, Research Fellow at CAR, coming to you from sunny Redland in Bristol. And today I'd like to discuss the topic of body image and movement and what that might look like during COVID. So similar to our eating and work habits, there's been a plethora of advice and opinions about how to keep active, which at times can be overwhelming and quite frankly, demotivating. It was only yesterday that I heard of a man that ran the length of a marathon in his backyard. Firstly, I'd like to congratulate that man. It is a huge effort. Second, I'd like to point out that he is an anomaly, an exception to the rule. Chances are, if you didn't want to run a marathon prior to COVID, you won't want to run a marathon during or even after this pandemic is over. So today, I want to discuss three things with yourselves and our fellow podcasters. First, the relationship with body image and movement. Second, how to reflect on your own relationship with movement and how your body image may impact this. Third, some quick do's and don'ts when planning and engaging in movement over the next couple of weeks, months, and even after this pandemic's over. Now, I do refer to movement throughout this segment, and this is a personal preference of mine, as I feel it is more inclusive of all body types, capabilities, and exercise practices. Uh, but where I state movement, you can interchange this with exercise or sport. So firstly, a lot of research has been conducted on the relationship between body image and physical movement, and researchers consistently find that those who report having a negative body image predominantly engage in exercise for appearance-related reasons. So that is to burn calories, lose weight, tone or sculpt their body. And interestingly, this relationship's also been established amongst those with positive body image. So a lovely study by Kristen Homan and Tracy Tilke demonstrated that although positive body image is associated with high exercise frequency, this relationship becomes weakened when an individual reports appearance-related motivations for engaging in exercise. And unfortunately, movement becomes less enjoyable for individuals with appearance-related motivations as there is little importance placed on other reasons for exercise, such as fitness, mental health management, social connectedness, self-efficacy, and mastery of movements or exercises. 
And it's no wonder that individuals feel compelled to engage in exercise for appearance-related reasons, given that we're constantly inundated with media that perpetuates diet culture, a social movement that celebrates thinness and equates this uh, body type to health and moral virtue. And unfortunately, when it comes to exercise, diet culture perpetuates two key messages. We should burn the calorie calories for the foods we've already eaten and burn calories to earn the foods we will eat in the future. So in the next two discussion points, I want to, want to consider how we can challenge this harmful way of thinking and engage in movement for more adaptive and helpful reasons. So firstly, I'd encourage you to reflect on the following. So why do you engage in movement, exercise or sport? How does this movement make you feel before during and after. For example, before you move, are you excited or do you dread the idea? During the movement, are you present and focused on that activity alone or do you find yourself preoccupied with your appearance? And finally, once you've finished moving, do you feel energized, connected to your body or perhaps you feel demotivated and find yourself focusing on weight loss metrics such as number of calories burnt? If your experience is predominantly negative and or appearance related, this suggests you may need to explore alternative exercises as well as consider alternative perspectives and benefits to moving your body. And that brings me to some do's and don'ts. So let's start with the don'ts. So firstly, avoid online or virtual workouts that focus on appearance as we should with any form of media. Be critical consumers of the messages that are perpetuated by instructors and fitness groups that create this content. So for example, avoid instructors who use diet culture to motivate their audiences or their followers. This could be statements that relate to burning calories, losing weight and sculpting certain aspects of your appearance. Also, avoid setting unrealistic expectations of yourself and your body during this quarantine period. If you are really overwhelmed and don't know where to start, start with the World Health Organization recommendations for daily exercise. It's 30 minutes a day for adults and 60 minutes a day for children. Also, avoid buying fancy equipment. The likelihood is that once this pandemic is over, you won't use it again. And I'll, that'll, I'll speak more to that in the next section of the do's. So avoid fitness trackers. Unfortunately, these tools emphasize weight loss metrics. They interfere with being present during your workout and they do not consider other reasons for exercising, such as social connectedness and mental health management. That brings me to the do's. So firstly, it is really important to move your body regularly and you can do that by using varied activities, varied intensities and durations, but it is far more important to choose movements and exercises that you enjoy. It'll be much easier to maintain a routine and maintain your motivation if you enjoy what it is that you're doing. If you are using online materials, seek out instructors that do not represent the appearance ideal, which is traditionally a thin white female. You also want to look for instructors who celebrate appearance diversity and inclusivity and consider all types of abilities within their workout videos. 
Also, when moving your body, focus on the body's functionalities and capabilities rather than its appearance. Jessica Oliva, a dear friend and collaborator of CARS, has conducted fantastic research on the positive effects of using body functionality principles in our day-to-day activities, and these can be easily incorporated into your exercise or workout routines. Now, if you are isolating with others, schedule time to move together. For our listeners who are spending this time alone, you can always schedule a workout class or a movement session with your friend. The key is to staying connected. Also, be creative with your space and how to move your body. Anna Kessel, author of Eat, Sweat and Play, writes about a really important aspect of movement that we tend to forget as adults. It can be playful and it can be fun. It just takes a little bit of imagination. Lastly, the quarantine is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. It's the only marathon I'm going to be running. So remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your body and the expectations that you put on both. Thanks, team. Firstly, can we actually just acknowledge that fabulous Eurovision-esque introduction by Emily there? (laughs) (laughs) She's so funny. I'm a big fan of Eurovision (laughs) myself and that really really played to my my strengths there. (laughs) (laughs) I need to ask her if that was her her vision or if it just came out naturally that way. I'm not sure which I would prefer. I don't know, but (laughs) I'd love to know. Um, And also, if I'm being honest... Here, as Helena described superbly about social comparisons, um, and also as you mentioned earlier, Nadia, this is one thing that I personally have been really struggling with, seeing others posting online pictures of their runtime of their apps, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. quantifiable statistical information. Um, now, that's not to shame those people at all, um, but it makes me feel so much pressure to use that one time out a day in those ways. And if I don't go mm-hmm. out for for whatever reason, maybe because I don't feel like it that one time a day, um, I can feel like a failure and as if I don't seize the opportunity like others did. Um, so I just want to put that out there because I can feel yeah, like that. Like, I just want to put that out there. Yeah, like we, sorry, just butted in, but like this is not the time to be feeling a failure right now. Like this is like, we do not need that energy. No, 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 no. Like keep that energy like at like arm's length. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, It's not helpful in any ways. It's just sometimes, like you say, it's being honest, understanding that that's how you feel and acknowledging it and realising it can't be helpful some like in those situations. So I completely agree. Um, Just to make sure that you distance yourself from these things can be helpful. I found that really helpful myself. Um, and also remind yourself that everyone's journey is different in this pandemic. It's not easy. There's not a lot of, um, there's a lot of online things right now as we discussed earlier, which aren't really helpful. But give yourself a break in those respects. Don't, yeah, don't feel like you're a failure because you're not failing in any way. Even if you don't go out, that's not failing. No, not not at all. And, like, it's it's so interesting, isn't it? Like, those social comparisons can creep in at, like, every touch point. So it can be about how you look, as Helena was saying. It can be about what you're doing. It could be how you're feeling. It could be about like your productivity at work. It could literally there's like there's so many things you can always like find something to be like oh I'm not like doing enough on or as good at or or whatever. And as Helena was saying, it's like basic human instinct. It's like part of the human condition to see what others are doing and try and match yourself up to see how you're you're how you're holding up. I guess, but to just really like reiterate like 
as you were saying, Jade, it's like the first thing is like noticing it. You catch yourself in the moment being like, oh, hang on, wait a minute. I'm comparing my body to a lot of strangers on, on the internet. That's weird. What's going on there? I don't know. Then you interrogate that and be like, okay, so why am I doing it? Am I bored? Am I feeling insecure? Like what's going on? And then like you go to the next stage where you're like, okay, now what do I need to do differently to get myself out of that comparison trap? And then like this obviously has to feel to what like feels good and right for you, but this could be your indicator to log off social media. It could be a sign to engage yourself and immerse yourself into something that feels really wholesome for you right now. It could be writing things that you are really proud of or that you like about yourself. There are like lots of different options, but it's like you need to have your like personalized strategy to like get yourself out of that hole because being in it like doesn't feel good and we don't need to go into those places right now. But Jay, do you have any like go-to options to get yourself out of that that trap? Because we all do it. Like let's face it, as you said, like we we all get there. I completely agree. That's a really good question actually. I think like you said, um it it's something that happens. It's it's not abnormal if you do find yourself doing it, but catching yourself once you realise and acknowledging that you are in this comparison trap is is actually a big step um yep. but for me when when I do do that what I am doing currently right now is I like to grab a book get lost in it currently right mm-hmm. now with the beautiful weather um and I have the luxury of having a garden which I'm very grateful for sitting out in the sun and getting lost in the book also playing with my dog for a bit um, who's featuring a lot more in this episode than I originally planned um, <laughs> but uh just to take a step away from it all yeah, it's like disrupting that like negative thought spiral, isn't it? It's like disrupting it, stepping yourself out. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. Um, taking a step away. Uh, I don't know. Have you got any any things that you're doing, Nadia, in particular? No, you know what? I think I think the distraction point is really good, and I think it is just as we've kind of gone through it. Is that I think that I like the distraction. I like. I, it might not even be a comparison trap, but if I know if I'm feeling in a bit of a funk, like if my mood is getting low, I'm like, oh. Have I been out today? If I've not, that is the time to go. That is the time to like step away, step away from my computer, step away from whatever and be like, this is the time to get outside now. This is when I'm going to use that that card to go, you know, like to kind of go out. That's the time to go out. So I think that I've been finding that really helpful. But uh, it could also just be like calling a friend and being like, oh, I'm just not feeling great right now. Just not, things are not working. <laughs> like my mind is like playing tricks on me. Can we kind of like take me out of my mind? And I think it, you know being in a in a fortunate position where you've got a good social network and you have friends who like get get that immediately and they're like okay here we go let's uh let's chat about something completely different I completely agree I'm firstly finding this a beautiful um way of distraction right now this is this is great and also my friend rang me yesterday and um she literally said can we sing a song together on on the phone because that's what we do when we travel together we always sing wherever we are it might be strange and people look at us strange but we find it awesome um and so that was quite comforting for her uh so I think Mm. like you say those small things can really mean a lot for people so um definitely reaching out and also I want to to mention um one thing we must remember here as well is although we're all going through this situation together people have different contexts here so some are living alone um some are caring for children but one thing to highlight is all of us are able to socially connect like we just mentioned with others although we're not physically able to be together um this doesn't mean that we can't reach out to others online and if you haven't heard from someone in a while and you feel the energy to yourself 
perhaps reach out to them and check in, see if they're doing okay. Yeah, totally. Like just to Bruna's point, like really draw on your social network and then check in. And then also like sometimes you just want to talk about other things. Like sometimes like can we just like chat about, let's do like a little book club. Like it's like your friend being like, can we sing a song? Can we watch a film together? Can there be like a plan? Is there like something fun we can do? So it's not, so I guess so it feels lighter. Like it's like we want to find bits of of lightness. And I think it's a way of finding really... another way of connecting with people in a different way because you're kind of forced to be creative and how you're socializing a bit more because you're not because all the context is stripped away from you um I know you've been playing quizzes and games and stuff Jade what's I honestly I must admit I just love a good quiz pandemic or no pandemic it's just been something I've always enjoyed I also love being quiz master I'm actually not that good at quizzes but I love running them um so oh interesting I didn't know that about you no oh see there we go this this is all part of the process but yeah no I also like having the power of knowing the answers it's it's a bit strange but um... (laughs) I can actually believe that the more you're talking I'm like yeah okay that it's because I don't know the answers normally so I have to be in that situation (laughs) and then um actually we can tie this in with like the fun movement side of things like um the other week it was like was it last week the week before that uh me you and Maya did my friend Carly's 80s themed disco aerobics class uh via zoom we uh should do that again honestly that was fabulous in many ways and um also, I want to point out my absolute respect to people who have had to adapt their businesses quickly to the circumstances, um, like your friend Carly has done. I would definitely do it again. And it was only £3. So, pff, great. She's, she's funny. She's got all her, like, disco lights and stuff. It feels very authentic. And then actually, whilst I'm thinking about Carly, uh, Project HB, or I think it's project.hb on Instagram, but you'll find it, like, bringing it back to Emily's point about finding classes or instructors that make you feel good in your body that aren't talking about that food guilt the burning calories they're like you know getting summer body like all of that the instructor can really make the difference and I know I might be biased here uh, because she's a friend but Carly is brilliant at this she's fun she's high energy she's uh, also very thoughtful around the language she uses and just makes it it's just very energizing and it, you never get that like okay, and you're doing this because you're just doing it for fun. I honestly completely agree. And also, um, again, I, I know you'd be biased with you, Carly's your friend, but I, I don't know in that way. And I think I, I really enjoy that Carly's approach in terms of recently on an Instagram post she did, she said, um, as an exercise instructor herself, highlighting that if you get up and decide, no, not, not exercising today, um, then that's cool. If you start doing the class and decide, nope, not doing it now, not really feeling it, then step away from the camera or just switch it off, take a seat. Those kind of comments and support from exercise instructors themselves can make the world of a difference before, during or even after exercising, you know? Yeah, it just takes away that pressure and that guilt because I think there is that pressure that because it's also available, there is this like rhetoric that's out there that's very much like the no excuses. Like what excuse do you have? Because you've got the time, like it's either no cost or very low cost. You can do it whatever time of day. There's all of that. So it kind of builds up this like pressure bubble that you kind of feel like you have to be doing it all the time. But yeah, it's like, no, you don't have to be doing it. If you want to like watch the class from your bed like go for it like you do you whatever like it's it's fine and and then you know really speaking to Emily's point it's like do what do what feels what feels good and right in the moment and like just check in with yourself I guess yeah very well Um, said 
yeah and I guess and also I, I guess these are as a disclaimer these are all people that I know but there are other people doing this online as well so a couple of people to shout out um there's Callie Rye who's very conscientious about this and has really been doing a lot of work recently I would say to showcase more diverse people on her feed she's got quite a big platform to kind of showcase diversity because that wellness does have that thin white fitzbo kind of aesthetic um and then there's another person laura higgins i think her handle's laura biceps has like a great energy she does a half an hour morning session on her instagram live and it's just it's just like good she's good fun she's just very like upbeat and fun and again she's like I think I think someone in the chat said, "Oh, I'm watching this from my bed," and she looked at it and she just like laughing. She was like, "Whatever, like, good for you." Like, there was no like, there's no sense of shame or I don't know pressure that you have to do whatever. It's just kind of yeah. If this is fe- if this is feeling good in your body right now, like, go for it. And if you need to modify, go for it. If you need to take a break, go for it. Like, whatever. Like, you make the rules, not me. So I think that's that is really important. And then I don't know, just to speak to. Just the last thing, I guess, speaking to Emily's point about diversity, there's a couple of people that I don't know personally, but I've been aware and following their work for some time. You've got people like Jasmine Stanley, an American yoga instructor. Um, and there's also an Instagram account called Decolonizing Fitness by someone called Isla Parker, uh, which offers like a an approach that fitness is a really affirming and accessible way to all bodies and also offers some critique to that goop type style nature of the fitness and wellness industry so uh uh good if you want that like critical lens to kind of see like unpack some of the stuff that we're, we're kind of talking about but also there's a whole whole world out there you can uh, look people up and find the people that kind of speak to you and and match you in terms of the classes the style of their delivery uh whatever or like you or you don't have to if that's not what you want to do you don't have to do it either that's always like exactly yeah those yeah great list of people Nadia and also um like you said have a look at what works for you but be very mindful and aware of the language of the instructors um not being too judgmental uh and being giving openness to whether or not you decide you want to do it in the first place (laughs) um so yeah up next we are keeping on the topic of movement with Georgia Treneman Evans talking about yoga um then we're going to hear from dr elizabeth jenkinson who's going to talk a little bit about arts and crafts and finally we have maya thornton um to take us through some mindful and meditation practice so let's hear from them lovely hi my name is georgia and i'm a research associate here at the center for appearance research today i'm talking to you from my bedroom and admittedly i'm still in my pajamas I know some of you may be struggling right now, so I just wanted to share one of my top tips that may help you during this time. So since working from home, I have been practicing yoga every day, even if it's only for five minutes. Yoga can be a powerful tool for easing anxiety, stress, or depression, and there are lots of amazing virtual classes available right now, including Yoga with Adrian on YouTube, which is what I've been using. So even if you don't have a mat, you can still try one of these classes and find an instructor that suits you. I actually recently finished a study on the impact of yoga among middle-aged women and found that five weeks of yoga, either one or two classes a week, can significantly reduce psychological distress. Some women even reported feeling more positive about their body and appearance. So today I encourage you to take this time to try a virtual yoga class, to calm the mind and connect with the body. Stay safe everyone and namaste. 
Hi, I'm Liz Jenkinson. I'm a health psychologist here at, at CAR. Um, and while I'm working from home, um, I'm home with my two children. Um, I'm enjoying um, getting involved in doing lots of arts and craft activities, um, which I find really helps me um, sort of pay less attention, I guess, to what's going on um, in the future and the past, um, and even kind of any anxieties I might be having about myself or, or my body, um, because it sort of puts me into a mindful state I guess um it makes me uh feel that I can um escape a little bit into whatever I'm engaging in so whether that's painting with my daughter um uh, making lego models with my son um or in particular doing things like listening to music um and engaging in kind of uh those sorts of things that make me happy um so I've been doing a lot of that both on my own so in the evenings with my husband we've been um listening to the uh twitter listening parties that Tim Burgess from the charlatans has been um been kind of uh been hosting so um that's where you listen to a classic album um alone but together so um the idea is that people listen to a, uh, a, a, a an album that he chooses every night and then um use twitter to discuss memories and experiences related to that album um with people from all over the world so that's been exciting um and uh, seeing lots of old memories from gigs and things that i used to go to when i was young um and and hearing those albums again um so that's been connecting me to others and um sort of taking me out of myself a little bit in terms of the psychology of that, so um, arts and health um, psychologists consider that when we engage in things that uh, flex that arts and muscle, basically, that we sometimes enter what's called a flow state. So we um, concentrate very deeply on the work that we're doing, a form of sort of mindful practice, and that that can help us um, concentrate on living in the moment and feeling fully immersed in what we're doing. So psychologists like Daisy Fancourt um, and Nicola Holt here at UWE have done work on the flow state and how important that is for people who are experiencing difficult emotions but also health concerns. So things like pain management um, might be assisted by engaging in arts-based activities. So there's some science behind it. And um, I've certainly found that while I've been off at home with children, engaging in these sorts of arts-based activities has been helpful. Hello, my name is Maya and I'm a PhD student at the Centre for Appearance Research. Firstly, I just want to say that I hope that everyone is doing as well as they can be during these really difficult times. I'd like to share a few thoughts about using meditation to manage anxiety at the moment. It's something that I've been using myself and I've been finding it really helpful. I've practised meditation on and off for a little while now, but I'm finding it so useful that I've been actually using it daily at the moment. So I am quite new to it myself, but I just wanted to share my experiences with you so far. I use meditation mostly at night when I'm just about to fall asleep, because this is when I'm finding that I'm the most anxious and I've got lots of thoughts rushing around in my head. But the great thing I've been finding about meditation is that it's really flexible and you can do it anywhere and at any time. So if you're finding that you're maybe really anxious at other times of the day, like perhaps around meal times, then you could use it then. 
So meditation is a mindfulness practice, um, and mindfulness is described in the literature as the practice of uh, focusing one's attention in a non-judgmental way um, on the present moment, and which includes um, things like your thoughts um, and kind of sense any sensations that is going on in the body. So the research has found that mindfulness-based practices like meditation can decrease body image distress. So a study carried out by Toole and Craighead in 2016 in the US found that a self-compassion-based meditation training increased body appreciation and decreased body surveillance in young adult women. Now, body surveillance is... Um, it comes from self-objectification of our bodies, and, and this means where we're very focused on monitoring our physical appearance and our attractiveness. So an increase in body appreciation and a decrease in body surveillance is a good outcome. Now, mindfulness-based practices such as meditation also have been used in eating disorder prevention. In a review by Bekia et al. in the US... Um, where they gathered together uh, 15 different studies looking at mindful ba mindfulness-based eating disorder prevention programs. Um, they found that mindfulness-based programs significantly decreased body image concern. Um, they, it also decreased negative affect, so low mood, um, and increased body appreciation and self-esteem, which again, really good outcomes. Um, meditation has also been found to be really helpful for more general anxiety. Now, there's absolutely loads of research on this, um, but I just wanted to pick out a really recent paper published this year, um, which found that meditation practice has an impact not only on the way that we feel, um, so the, sort of the way that we talk about feeling stressed and anxious, but on the biological processes that go on in our body that lead us to feeling to feel to be feeling stressed and anxious. So the authors Kilms and Duggan et al. found that after four weeks of um, a mindful uh, a meditation practice, um, levels of cortisol in the body, which is a hormone that is associated with us feeling stressed, um, decreased in their participants. So not only can meditation potentially make you feel better, um, it can also reduce your body's actual biological stress response, um, which is great. Um, and this is if you obviously if you practice over a period of time, um, which is what they found. They found the effect was at four weeks. They did also mention, though, that um, they did have quite a small sample in this study. So um, what I would kind of hope for the future is that maybe similar studies like this would occur in larger um, samples and we could find out more about that because I think that's a really interesting finding and shows that meditation can actually be really good for us um, in a number of ways. So I've been practicing um, meditation in a number of ways. Uh, there's lots of resources online, on YouTube, for example, um, but I've been using meditation apps. Um, a lot of these apps are offering free content at the moment as well to help people manage their anxiety in the current situation. So I really recommend checking those out. I use guided meditations uh, mostly where the program talks me through the meditation um, and these can vary a lot in length. So look for one that's kind of for the right amount of time that you've got in your day for example if you um, are feeling quite stressed and you want to do a meditation on your lunch hour look for something that would fit into that time another um, specific kind of exercise I've been finding really helpful which only takes a few minutes is breathing exercises and you can do this um, anytime to kind of feel a bit more grounded and a bit more calm um, I've been finding using short breathing exercises, maybe when I'm out on my walk outside for exercise, which we are still currently allowed to do in the UK um, once a day. Um, I've also done a quick breathing exercise, just kind of looking out my window and looking at um, 
nature and listening to the birds um and I've also done it kind of just sat at my at my desk space before I start the day just to ground myself and this is kind of doing mindful breathing where you're paying attention to the breath um and kind of um non-judgmentally um noticing thoughts and sounds around you so the breathing exercise that I've been trying is called the four seven eight breathing where you breathe in deeply um, whilst you count to four and then you hold the breath whilst counting to seven and then you breathe out deeply through the mouth whilst counting to eight so it goes a bit like this so you breathe in for four two three four hold for seven two three four five six seven breathe out for eight two three four five, six, seven, eight, and repeat those, um, sort of until, well, until you want to really. Um, and you can shorten those times as well. So I've been finding if that feels like a bit much, I've maybe been doing breathe for four, hold for four, breathe out for six. And what you want to be doing is breathing in deeply through your nose and holding and then out through your mouth. Um, so that's all from me for now. Um, take care everyone. Oh, I did that breathing exercise with Maya just then. I might have to get her to record me a like personalised version so then I can do like a longer extended in, two, three. I love that. Just hearing Maya's voice is so lovely anyway. I know, I think that's like one of the really enjoyable things about this whole process is that we are, we are distanced, but thanks to technology, we've, we're having all these people play in our ears. It feels very nice. Definitely. And some great tips there for those who do want to try and um, or do already enjoy engaging in mindfulness exercises. I would also like to highlight and stress something here too. Just because mindfulness and meditation works for some, it doesn't mean it will work or be helpful for everybody. Going back to what Emily um, said earlier, if you didn't run a marathon before this situation then and had no intention to it's very unlikely you will during or afterwards so kind of the same thing applies here for mindfulness techniques so don't feel that pressure that this is a solution or suitable for you I say this because mindfulness isn't for me I did try an eight-week course and yep I kept falling asleep so I want to highlight that it's not something I'm gonna particularly engage in myself (laughs) I'll never forget that story when you, I think we were all talking in the office one day, it's like with Philippa and Mel, and asking about how this like meditation course that you're doing was going, and it was like, yep, Jay just did that, going for a good odd nap, you get a nice soft snore. <laughs> I could just imagine, I was like, oh, bless you, you were working so hard, you probably just needed the sleep, honestly. But I don't know, I guess, I guess what you're saying is, is, really, is really fair, like each to your own, like you know yourself the best, like do what works for you. But in the same breath I'd say just because you've tried something once doesn't mean that it's off the cards forever right so for example I used to not be into yoga at all like whenever it was like recommended to me I was like "Mm, yeah I don't do yoga that's like not my thing but now I enjoy it and I find a lot of um I get a lot of benefit from doing it so just something to bear in mind like just because you know you you have to kind of see what works for you but also be open to different experiences or trying things again definitely I think it's it's no pressure on either end whether you want to 
give it a go and think, right, yeah, let's see whether you know it works for you and you're like, this is great, or whether you think I can't even get to that stage of giving it a go. No pressure on any on any level. Um, and I kind of also want to mention that even for me, I, I actually love drawing. So mentioning what um, Liz was talking about, about arts and crafts, and even had a couple of art paint drawing projects on the go before this situation. Mm-hmm. But for those things, I actually really feel I need to be in the mood to do it. And I've never really put my finger on the magic elements that combine to make that mood. Um, But it's not been there recently. And that's okay because those art projects aren't going anywhere. So I'm fine with that. (laughs) Yeah, so you can like pick them up as you want. It's like a no pressure thing, but it's like you enjoy it when the time is right. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And like we say do what you enjoy, maybe give things a go if you feel comfortable, but if you don't want to do anything, oh well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I actually keep saying that I'm going to get my paints out over this, like, quarantine period, I think it would be something that I would enjoy, it's just, like, for me, it's, like, getting, I need to, like, get everything out, it needs to be, like, part of a, I need to get the setup. you know, I need the ambience going, and then you have to embrace it, and, like, go like all in and I think that kind of speaks to and it's kind of come up a couple of times over the all of this conversations I think so Liz mentioned it directly but I think Claire and Ella mentioned it or at least alluded to it is this idea of flow or being in a flow state so it's a term from positive psychology really from the 80s and essentially means being immersed in something that you enjoy and find rewarding definitely like being in the zone yeah exactly that that's exactly it um so it's kind of when you're engaged in something and you lose all sense of time and place and it doesn't need to be arts and crafts it could be something like music or cooking I think it's generally something creative but I think some of the factors it's like it needs to be something that's intrinsically rewarding and where you're feeling like you're making progress and the level of challenge corresponds to your skill level because if it's too easy you get bored you won't be engaged if it's too hard you'll get frustrated you'll throw it out or quit like learning a language like it'll be easier for me and I would be more engaged to like go back to French because I have a baseline of French but for me to start Russian right now will just I I won't go anywhere because I'll just it'd be too much so Kirsty who I work with very closely with so sweet she's been doing some she's learning been learning how to crochet um so that really speaks to the making progress and having like a tangible goal um, because now she's got a little Easter chick and then she's going to be working on a, an Easter frog and they're so, they're so cute and she's, she said that she's, she's finding it really, um, I don't know if she would say it in her own, her own words of therapeutic, I don't want to put words in her mouth but she I know she's enjoying it at least and I think it kind of just speaks to the, the idea of like having something right now uh, more than ever to have something that you focus your attention on, like your hands are engaged, you're not on your phone, you're not checking the news, you're like okay, like, what am I going to really just, like, get engaged to, focus my attention? And I think that can be really helpful. And I think just, like, as humans, we can only hold so much in our brains at the same time. So that constant checking of the news is, is not, doesn't go anywhere. It just It just builds up. So actually just taking yourself out and being like, no, like, let's, like, do things that feel wholesome and, and good is, like, a, a really good way to go right now. Yeah, I think checking out is okay, whatever way you decide you want to do it. Like I mentioned, getting lost in a book for me is that time of escapism. Escapism? Mm-hmm. That's a hard word. Escapism. Yeah, escapism. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so yeah, completely agree. Those are some great ones. Moving on for our last two tips. We we have Harriet Smith and um, Professor Philippa Deirdrits talking about practicing self-care and 
self-compassion. A great way to end. Hi everyone, my name is Harriet Smith and I'm a research associate here at CAR and I'm going to share a few of my self-care tips with you. And I think this is especially important during the current crisis and very, very strange situation that we find ourselves in. As you know, our bodies and our minds are really adjusting to this new sense of normal. And I know for those, well, for those particularly struggling with negative body image, the idea of self-care can seem really unrealistically ambitious. But I want to stress that I think it's just so important. So from the research in the field of positive body image, we know that when we practice self-care activities and check in with ourselves, we are more in touch with what our body and our mind needs. And then in turn, we then tend to look out for ourselves in the future, which is really important. So definitely one thing that I find is that it's really easy to think of self-care as like a luxury or something that we indulge in. But actually, it's such a necessary form of maintenance for our body and for our mind. And self-care can look different for everyone. And that's absolutely okay. What might help ease things for you might not be the same for someone else. I think it's just all about promoting your own health and well-being. So during this quarantine, please, please make sure that you carve out time to relax, process and cope what's going on for you, cope with what's going on for you. One thing that I've found really helpful in the past is gratitude journaling. And this is particularly helpful if you're feeling really overwhelmed. So this involves every morning or every evening writing down three things that you are thankful or grateful for however big or small this might be. So for me, this would definitely be my dog at the minute. But if three things feels a bit too difficult, just start with one and then take time to listen to your favourite music or watch your favourite movie. Maybe channel your energy into something creative, for example, macrame making, which I've just started and actually been finding very difficult, which I thought would be really easy. You could try painting, you could try drawing, baking, cooking, whatever it is that you enjoy. But actually, self-care could be the really boring things that we often take for granted, but boring yet very important, such as making sure that we get enough sleep each night and fueling our bodies with wholesome, enjoyable food. And you could even create a daily self-care routine or add some self-care activities into your existing schedule for the day to make sure that you definitely take time out for you. I know that it can feel really overwhelming and really difficult to try and get these into your day, but... If you've got it already in your schedule or your routine, it might be a bit easier for you. And one thing, final thing that I just want to say is please remember that actually it's okay not to be doing something. You know, at the moment, especially on social media, we feel a lot of pressure to be achieving or doing things 24-7, you know, learning three languages and doing this and doing that. But actually, it's completely okay and actually it's so important just to take a break and let your body, mind, rest and recharge. Hi everyone, my name's Philippa Diedrichs. I'm a professor in psychology at the Centre for Appearance Research. One of the things that I've uh, found really helpful personally over the past few weeks um, since being uh, engaging in social distancing and being at home and also living halfway around the world from my family at a difficult time like this is to really reflect on uh, some of the things that I've learned in the past about self-compassion and in particular the work of Dr. Kristen Neff and really what self-compassion is about recognizing how it's really normal to find things painful and difficult and to struggle in life 
And that's a really common part of human experience, even when you're not uh, facing a global pandemic, but especially when you're facing a pandemic. And that, you know, it's about practicing trying to be kind to yourself in the same way that you would be kind to a friend or a family member if you were trying to take good care of them and reassure them. So it's about being really warm and understanding um, to ourselves and doing that all the time. So even um, doing it on the days where we might not be getting through our to-do list or we might not be as productive as we'd like or we're not doing, you know, the latest home workout or we're just getting frustrated even with our friends and family that may be around us is still in those moments of struggle to really try and be kind and patient with ourselves um, and to recognise that, you know, it's really normal to feel um, challenging or painful emotions at the moment and actually that's a really normal human experience. We are not alone in that. There are people uh, all around the world that are feeling these emotions as well and also about being mindful of how we're feeling, but not necessarily um, attaching to it too much in that um, we don't need to believe everything our minds tell us. Um, and what we can do, though, is just to be really kind and patient with ourselves and try and do that in particular in the moments of struggle when we're feeling like we're not good enough or we're not achieving enough or you know, we're not handling the situation as best that we could be. It's really hard to be your best self um, at times like this. And so it's really practicing that self-compassion. And I found that really useful for myself um, when trying to navigate these challenging times. And for those of you who might be interested in this um, concept or wanting to learn more, Dr. Kristen Neff has some free meditations online that I've been using through the app Insight Timer, which is for free. Um, and she also has a really great website where she covers different articles um, about how we can foster self-compassion in ourselves. So I hope you find um, that and can practice, you know, some kindness to yourself and being patient with yourself in these moments and that I hope you find it as helpful as what I have. I think that summed everything up really well. And I particularly liked and wanted to point out Harriet's comment that it's okay to do nothing. This experience is traumatic in many ways. And so feeling pressure to be productive, which I've seen a fair amount of online. So that's like pressure um, to create masterpieces, pressure to become the best version of yourself, whatever that means. Um, and take this situation as an opportunity, which can be quite harmful so if you are struggling to do things right now that's okay like we've mentioned many times on this episode actually it's normal you do not lack willpower or determination what you are doing is going through an unprecedented global pandemic so please be kind to yourself yeah completely and I guess I I think it's the other thing about like some people might be really struggling and some people might not and you might be struggling right now and next week you might get into a better rhythm I definitely have started to get into a better rhythm and and are getting into like oh actually I I can do things I'm not putting as much pressure on myself to do everything in the same way so I've kind of like eased off the pressure a bit but actually if I do like I can do small bits and then it feels it feels a bit more achievable it feels less less pressure so you just have to kind of work out and really check in with yourself how it's going to work for you um and then I think of that final point I really like what Philippa says and it kind of speaks back to what maybe Ella and some of the others have been saying in the beginning is that you don't need to believe everything your mind is 
telling you, right? So you can, you have control over the negative thoughts in your head. You can choose whether to uh, use a mindfulness approach and just like notice them and like let them like move on. You can use like a cognitive behavioral approach where you're like, oh, I'm going to like reframe this or I'm going to question it or I'm idea of like, what's the evidence behind that? Or, you know, you don't need to act on your thoughts and just kind of knowing that just because you have a thought doesn't mean that that thought is true. So the kind of thought of like, oh, I'm I'm a failure, I'm no good at all, I'm useless, I'm not, whatever it is, you don't have to believe that. You don't, you can notice it and be like, oh, I'm thinking, I'm having a lot of negative intuitive thoughts right now, this, or I'm, or you can like be a bit more inquisitive about that thought and be like, why am I having that thought? What's going on? How do I get out of it? And it's like all of these things we've been saying and, and just like this like message that we keep coming back to and everyone I think has kind of mentioned it in one way or another is just be extra extra kind to yourself right now and and be compassionate and be understanding of how you're being and see if you can ease with it and adjust and through adjusting and having that piece of acceptance you might find that you're more able to do what you would like to do you know I think you can kind of not we've not been here before you know we've not done it like you say, you might find more space once you open mm-hmm. up that. But like you, like you really mentioned, and I think it's really important here, there is no rule book on handling a social, like, distancing in a pandemic 101. Um, yeah, there, we've, not, we've not been here before, you know, we've not done it. We're we're in new, new unprecedented stages. Everyone is going through things differently. So tips and tricks for others might not work for you, and that is completely fine, but overall please just be very kind to yourself and give yourself the opportunity to take a breather and realize that as long as you are surviving day in day out you're getting through this that's all that really matters so we've we've covered a lot so just as a maybe a, a quick recap see if you can get yourself into a flow state distract attention so the arts and crafts music it could be through joyful mu- movement, stuff like yoga, like do your fun classes, have that social connection. I mean, you could even try like meditation, like we mentioned, to to calm your, your busy mind and just sit and reflect on or acknowledge thoughts that you might be having, if that suits you. There are lots of options. There's no right or wrong. You might need to experiment a little bit. What feels right? What is not sitting right and and just work through it and take each day as it comes some days are going to be better than others some days you are going to feel heavier than others some you're going to feel lighter and more capable and I think you just need to just be really um, allow yourself those feelings and just each day at a time well that's a lovely way of summing that up Nadia I think that that speaks to a lot of the points that we made earlier and we just want to take this opportunity to thank everyone at the Centre for Appearance Research who contributed gave up their time and knowledge and expertise on this subject we've really enjoyed doing this today I've really enjoyed it it's been the highlight of my week I think same I've had such a great time Nadia speaking <laughs> with you do you know what it's been fabulous <laughs> And if you enjoyed the episode, please do like, share, subscribe, all that jazz we normally say. Thank you, everyone. Bye. (laughs) I kind of don't really know how to end that. I was like, thanks. (laughs)